Money Show. Small business. Pablo Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator in studio with us this evening. Five businesses that should not have started, but they did. And now they rule the world, or small parts of it. Yeah, very... Well, they, they are ruling the world, certainly in South Africa and in their sector and their industries. Okay. Now, companies that shouldn't have started, why should a company not have started? Okay. Well, there are a whole lot of reasons. You know, the time's never good. Listen to the conversation you, you've just had about the economic fundamentals and some of the policies that are coming out that are making business very grumpy. The low business confidence in the country. There are a whole lot of reasons, Bruce, a whole lot of reasons why you shouldn't be starting businesses today. Yet, one looks at uh, uh, my my favorite examples of people who started businesses in really difficult times. In the aftermath of the Rubicon speech, B.W. Buerta's Rubicon speech, Brian Joffe goes, you know what? He goes and buys Chipkins and he starts what is today Bidvest, one of the biggest companies in the country, one of the biggest food services providers in uh, in Asia and, and in Europe, certainly very dominant in Europe. Adrian Gore, 20 three years ago, South Africa had its transition where people are bailing and are storing, uh, are storing baked beans in cupboards um, because of the, the revolution that is about to come. Adrian Gore starts Discovery. The first Rand Group started not long before that with South African full-blown chaos and, and, and revolution. People start businesses because they've got great ideas and there is a need they need to fulfill. And in tough times, there are three really good reasons. In the first instance... In tough times, when people feel that everything is coming to an end, people don't act. So in you acting on an opportunity that others would have, could have acted on, but aren't, because they are like rabbits in the headlight or deers in the headlight, you immediately get there first. Second thing, Bruce, when you start in tough times, the habits you develop in that business stay with you for the rest of time to come. If you build in very, very lean environments – tough environments. You build on first principles and you develop emotional habits in a way of looking at the world that you will never ever lose. And then the third and final reason is in tough times, the needs of people, in other words, the problems they face change. And that means you can go to market with what we refer to as a different value proposition. In other words, an argument about why this solution solves a new problem that you're experiencing. And you feel that there's a new problem there because you are terrified with what the future holds. Three excellent reasons why. And the the difference between entrepreneurs and the rest of us are entrepreneurs say, yep, okay, we're we're aware of the fact that there is chaos around us, chaos looming, crisis uh, around every corner, but we can work around that. Very definitely. And, you know, a couple of weeks back, We spoke about a very ethereal concept of entrepreneurship, which is entrepreneurs as water and gravity. Water flows to gravity. When there's an obstacle, it either flows over, it flows under, it flows around. The water that stops flowing is the water that dies. So entrepreneurs need to behave like that. Irrespective of the environment and the conditions, you go and you get your vision implemented. You do the business one step at a time. Don't be a drip, be a flood. <laughs> exactly right. There we go. Yeah. So, okay, five companies now that, have, that shouldn't have started but did start. When did these five companies start roughly? Okay, well, they started at different points in okay. time. Some of them have got very, very long histories, but they made some big decisions. At times when really they shouldn't have made the decisions. Some of them are fairly new. Some of them were built as an idea... 18,000 kilometers away and found market here, not in their home turf and home territory, where all the odds are stacked against them. When any sane, rational person, when anyone in an MBA course would have looked at the case study and said, do not 
pursue this opportunity. They did. The first one's called Insight Energy. What does Insight yes. Energy do? So Insight Energy, they have created an energy efficiency program. It's an entire process, a methodology, a way of being that starts first and foremost with people. It then moves into process and then finally technology. So they developed a very human view on how to create energy efficiency in extremely large industrial plants, in the mining industry, the gas industry, the oil industry. They started with this idea in Australia, you know, the little island, that very dry island with a lousy rugby team. And they've got some pretty coastal towns, but that's about and it. That's about okay. <laughs> and that's about it. They started over there, and then they turned around and they said, well, you know, we've developed all this idea, this technology, the process, the, the policies, the procedures, but it's not working. It's not working nearly close to what we think it could work. We need to find an environment that would be absolutely suitable to our needs. So why did they come to South Africa? In the first instance, the commodity cycle was falling. Mines were experiencing a drop in demand. Costs of mining were rising. And then we had the wonderful ushering in of the ESCOM era that we still stuck in. Unreliable, very expensive energy in comparison to what we had before. It was a perfect storm, Bruce. And in that storm, when other people were turning around and saying these conditions are shocking in the mining industry, they came in and said these conditions are absolutely perfect <laughs> for what we need to do. The value proposition changed because of tough times and they were the first people there. Okay, tough times. Um, Siabulela Releni wants to talk to us. So are you starting a business in tough times, Siabulela? Yeah, I started my business in tough times. <laughs> what, what is your business, Siabulela? My business is items that today is an online store that aims to sell any item online. So basically we are aiming to compete with Amazon. Uh, you want to compete with Amazon and with Take A Lot and with Mr. Price and everybody else who's got huge budgets behind them, huge corporate money behind them, and you want to sell things like clothing and stuff like that? We are aiming to sell any item online, just like eBay, just like Amazon. Well, our business is owned by young people, so we're going to be implementing young ideas. We're going to be implementing fresh ideas so we're going to be different from take a lot from other businesses and i'm only 20 years so yeah i'm ready to fail if i'm gonna fail okay uh, a, a comment pablo well here's my comment if you're selling anything online i buy a lot of stuff online and irrespective of your age irrespective of your idea irrespective of your team the only thing that convinces me to buy online is reputation. In other words, I've bought from you before and you've delivered consistently and within the timeline. And then importantly, price. And if you're trying to be everything to everyone online and compete with a take a lot that has just bought Kalahari.com. Kalahari.com. Good clue, yes. And in March last year, Sebula, they raised $100 million. That's over a billion rand to invest in scaling up economies of scale to buy products at the cheapest price to sell it to us at the cheapest price. I'm not going to support your vision. I'm going to support your price and your delivery. So you need to think about how you're going to compete on that yeah. level. It's so interesting that people are still doing, following the online model where a lot of young entrepreneurs now are going for the app model. Don't own the assets. Don't own the liabilities. Don't own the problems, but facilitate the transactions. Uh, and, and Bruce, you know what? 
imitation, when you're competing with, in those businesses, you're competing with teams that have a thousand staff members, all with PhDs in mathematics and computer science. You're competing with $50 billion worth of investment into those businesses. If you want to compete in that space, you've got to come up with your own original idea. But to turn around and say, we're going to compete with the big established ubiquitous commoditized services out there in the tech space. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a massive challenge. Siabulelo, I wish you luck with it. I really do. And I hope you crack it. I really do hope you find the elixir. He's 20 years old. He's energetic. He's ambitious. He's hungry for this. We've touched on Inside Energy. I want to touch on a company next called Pure Chem. Also in the mining industry, there's a theme coming through here. Two companies in the mining industry making the mines more efficient, making the mines work better. But do they have a future in the mining industry, which is an industry itself that is in the sunset phase in South Africa. Pablo Fatidis this evening. I'm Bruce Whitfield. Welcome to The Money Show. On a Thursday night, we always look at small business. And tonight, we're looking at businesses that should not have started, but they did, and they're rocking their particular worlds. We started with one called Insight Energy. It does energy efficiency plans for mining and and, and factories and things like that. These are two Australians who they, they probably were so far away from Australia in the trials and tribulations of load chilling that they didn't get caught up in the emotion of it. And they just went, we got a good idea. You can go there and we can make it happen. Absolutely right. And you know, it's interesting. It's a bad accent. Yeah, no, it's a shocking accent. But <laughs> when I go overseas and I travel overseas, Bruce, I always see opportunities over there that people within that environment just can't see. And sometimes you need to remove yourself from, How, uh, from call it the flow of collective perception so that you can see things differently. These are two people who came, come in. How many jobs have they created in South Africa? 14 months ago, they had two. And now they're sitting with 40, I think they're going to be moving on to 48 jobs at the end of this month. That's amazing. All tertiary, white-collared brain work. It's real value-added stuff. That's brilliant. Thank you, Australia. You've done something good. Uh, Pure Chem, tell me about them. Okay, so this particular entrepreneur worked in the mining industry, employed. His name is uh, Phineas Letzalo. He worked as a chemist. He was a chemist, uh, electrical engineer. I met him. Yes, I think he might have. Yes, he's done soap. No, he hasn't done so. No, 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 not so. And he worked in the research labs. And his job was to to do what we call chemical assay work. In other words, a rock core sample arrives in the lab. You put it through an assay process. And the assay process says in this particular piece of, of sample, there's so much platinum, there's so much gold, there's so much nickel, there's so much iron ore, et cetera, et cetera. It assesses it. And the product you use to do this is called flux. It's a chemical compound. So he worked in the lab of, in this particular instance, Anglo-American. There he was, a black qualified chemist with a rocking corporate job. Comfort, leisure, facilities, support, resources. And he got frustrated. He got frustrated that as an employee of an organization in trouble, like most of the mines are, he couldn't get speciality fluxes to go that extra mile and ensure that the analysis of the core sample would be improved by percentage points, which on a collective basis have a big impact in the mining industry. So he left. He left with 18 years of experience. He left with an insight into how flux is bought, and he left with a dream, an idea. So he went to market and he wanted to collaborate in the early stages. He went to the big established chemical plants out there supplying flux. All of them spoke the words of collaboration. 
None of them enacted it. And eventually, through sheer drive, Bruce, he established a plant. He bought some equipment. He put everything he has at risk. This was a man who three months before that, six months before that, was sitting with a corporate salary that was eye-watering. He put everything at risk. He could not find a supply of pure lead in South Africa. He eventually got it from someplace overseas, again, Australia in this instance. He has started to now create his own speciality flux and supply. Within a year, he's sitting with a plant. He's sitting with over 5 million rands worth of revenue in the chemical industry. And he's sitting with eight jobs that he single-handedly has created. Yeah, that's lovely. Absolutely lovely. Uh, then there's a business called Chemo, and they've created a brand new material from paper. Okay, so why should this business never have started? Well, it should never have started because this product has never been made before. This individual, Jan Freken, who owns this business, was making cardboard pallets. And he was out there slogging away, trying to sell cardboard pallets, competing with plastic pallets, competing with wooden pallets. There are other providers of cardboard pallets out there. And inevitably, the market became completely commoditized. And every day was a slog. And then he thought, well, if I can offer the same tensile strength that a wooden pallet offers, but using cardboard, which is 10% the weight and about 50% of the cost, in tough times, maybe people will hear the opportunity because they weren't hearing what he was yeah. offering at the time. So he went and he managed to convince an investor to put in 11 million rand. He took himself off to the DTI and he accessed one of the innovation grants, the many different types of grants that they have available. The DTI came to the party, Bruce, and put 50% of a grant down to take away some of the sting and the pain of the innovation. And he has gone and created a product that we don't even know how it's going to be used yet. There's interest from the automotive industry where they've never considered paper-based products before to make bonnets. Because the lighter you make a car, yeah. the better the fuel efficiency. And right now, cost of fuel, cost of those elements is a big issue. In the aeroplane industry, when they make the cabins and the bulkheads for the toilets and the galleys, in other words, the kitchens, yeah. they want to lighten the load, they want a cheaper material, they want one that's easy to fabricate. The list is endless. In the exhibition industry, when they make the exhibitions for the big stands, they're looking for lightweight materials that have the same tensile strength but can come in at 50% of the price. This man has gone and put it out there. His business is going to rock. And he's no longer in a commoditized competitive yeah. space. Yeah, but it just takes looking at your business differently, looking at it from afar, looking at it from a different perspective. Three great businesses this evening that shouldn't have started, they couldn't have started. It was impossible. They had no chance of succeeding. So they did, and they are, and they will. Pablo Fatidis, thank you. Inside Energy, Pure Chem and Chemo case studies this evening.